Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we are on episode 112. Yeah, 112. And this is an amazing episode because we're talking about everybody's favorite thing, returns. Hey, wow. Okay, but we're hitting people hard this week. We started the week off with taxes and now returns. You know what? I think I think uh, our, our, our slogan, real, relevant, reselling, um, you know, sometimes you got to be real. And I think these are one of the things that like people need to, to, it's not only things that people that are starting out kind of need to like recognize and realize are, are real possibilities, but people who have been reselling for a long time. Um, they recognize it. They feel the pain, you know? And I, I feel like there's got to be, I know there's a lot of people who listen to us. I mean, we've seen some comments where people are, are they get information from us. They get some, some, some nuggets here and there. Um, you know, we're always trying to provide as much value as possible, especially if you're like on social media, you're seeing all of the extra little things we're, we're putting out there. But in a lot of ways, I think what makes what we're doing, I don't want to say unique, but kind of what we are is, is we connect with the resellers. Like we know what it's like to be resellers. And so it's because what we do, that's what we do. It's what we do. And so, <laughs> so we get to talk about the things that everybody can kind of groan about together and go, Oh, it's so bad. But then hopefully we can look at it in a way and say, all right, Here's what we understand about these subjects that everybody knows we all kind of hate, but what can we do about it? And what are some ways that we can either capitalize or just um, use information in order to better our business or every once in a while just have a good laugh about, you know what, it kind of stinks to be a reseller when this, this, and this happens. Well, yeah. And it's returnary. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's going to happen, but even if you know, you're still like, you're, you're ready but you're not ready for the emotional toll unless you've become callous to it. But, uh, you know, this is year seven of me really caring about reselling and it still hurts. Oh yeah. It, you still feel it. Like you make this profit and you're like, yeah. And then it, it, you lose it and then you lose it again. And I would say January, I don't know if some of you have been seeing this, but Amazon is like a ping pong table. Mm. It's like you make some money and then seller initiated refund. I mean, uh, initiated refund and then you make some more money and then there's another refund and you make. And so I've had some days where whatever I started with in the morning is what I ended up in the evening. Hmm. Even though I had more sales, <laughs> the balance <laughs> kept changing so much that it didn't change at all. It was the same thing that was in the morning and, and rough. Now eBay hasn't been that bad. So this is what, this is one of those things that I'm trying to flesh out. I'm trying to, I'm trying, you know, we talk about looking at the numbers, right? I mean, I do make a really good amount uh, in Q4 with Amazon, but the rest of the year I'm kind of I'm contemplating because right now the hits, you know, are coming in January, but it, they feel more because I'm not making as many sales right. as I was in Q4 and it, strategically because I actually try to sell everything out before Christmas in comparison to last year that I held a lot over. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why you kind of have to do like a year over year and and look at like macro numbers because yeah, if you're only looking at sales for a week, um, you know, and we talked about that when we did our, our interview with uh, not your dad CPA is if, if you're only looking at small amounts of time, you can say like, Hey, I've, I've made all these sales, but if you're not looking at cost of goods or other expenses that come along the way, like returns, um, it, you won't know. So you could say like, Hey, in December I made $30,000, and then you can kind of like chalk that off as a win. But then in January, you've got $5,000 in returns. Well, if you count that in and you kind of got to look at it that way as your part of that Q4 total profit is 
what's going to happen with the returns. And mm-hmm. so you kind of have to have that macro look and be planning for that and recognize. Um, I mean, I'm sure some people when they're first starting out, they they make a bunch of big sales right away. And I can only imagine what it would be like to go out and just like start spending that money kind of like, yay, payday. But it's almost a situation oh, please of- don't do yeah, that. It's almost a situation of like, you can't count your chickens until they hatch. And there's there's that certain amount of time where it's like, okay, this is potential profit until it's like guaranteed that this is in the bank and there's not going to be a return or whatever it is. And so kind of being aware of that is helps with that mindset and helps with the like, ugh factor. Well, and that's kind of what, you know, I wanted to talk about today. So, you know, I wanted to talk about how to safeguard, right? And so you've kind of alluded to that a little bit in or foreshadowed, whatever word you want to use in the sense that, yes, do not spend money right away. I would say now, you know, that this episode is dropping. It's what, mid-January? Like probably not the best time to cash out all that money. Right. Right. Maybe a little bit. Maybe you could reward yourself, take a little trip. It depends how much you made. Right. But I would say do not. And I'm always a fan of reinvesting in your business as, as long as possible, especially if it's a side side hustle or, you know, you're not full time, even more so reinvest. You know, as a full time, I have to pay myself every month. I pay myself twice a month. I pay the bills and then, you know, I have some extra in case, you know, whatever I want to do. But when you're part time and you already have a full time income coming in, I, to me, I wouldn't think of just randomly spending money. Now it's okay, you know. Like I said, if you want to take that vacation or you want to go on that date night, and again, I'm not here to give you financial advice, but I'm very much of the attitude is the only way that you can scale is by reinvesting as much as possible back into your business. Yeah, and part of that is you know potentially, especially with things like. Uh, January being a possible big return month, depending on what platform you're on, what kind of selling you're doing, is recognizing that even with that reinvestment, you might have $20,000 sitting in your your PayPal or in your Amazon account, and you want to say like, okay, I'm going to go spend that on new inventory. Well, the nice thing about having the cash there is that it's liquid, it's it's you can use it right away. So when you've got those returns, um, that money is coming from somewhere. Whereas if you have that locked up into like real assets and not liquid, like, you know, money, then you run into the issue of, okay, well, now I've got to pay all these refunds um, and I've got all that money locked up in new inventory that I purchased. And that could put you in a bind depending on how you've got your finances set. So it might even be a good idea, even with the reinvesting, is to do it slowly and cautiously, do it wisely. Um, Obviously reinvest as much as you can, but maybe not like the moment the money comes in. Um, if there's potential returns. No, agreed, agreed. I mean, the big difference from last year to this year is that last year at this time, I just stopped buying. Mm. I, I think I went through a period of maybe three weeks. Now, at the end of January, I started making not major purchases. There was some clearance stuff where it didn't take a lot of capital. But this year, like right off the gate, I've been buying for the last two weeks. And part of that is because I already strategically had planned out, okay, there's a certain amount... I'm just going to, I'm going to go over the top, um, you know, and, and save that money, you know, in case I lose that money on returns. Right. And then I want, I know that there are going to be these after Christmas sales, right. Whether it's retail, whether it's thrift store, you know, cause a lot of people are offloading things at the end of the year, right. For tax deductions and so on. And so, you know, thrift stores are usually full right now as we speak. I don't know. I haven't been, I've only been one thrift store since the new year. Uh, but that's because I've had other, you know, major scores and we'll talk about that on our next update episode. Uh, but, you know, 
you want to always be ready. The worst thing, and you know, people talk about this. One of the number one reasons that businesses don't make it is because they run out of cash. Yeah, and, and so and having that liquid, having that the assets that you can easily get to is really important. Um, one thing that I do, and I actually learned this. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Um, maybe I have, but um, as a teacher, oftentimes teachers have the opportunity. Most teachers are paid on like a ten month scale, and so that during the summer months. Uh, they wouldn't be paid. So mm-hmm. what they do is they have the district or their their school uh, pull money for them, and then they hold that in an account. And then at the summertime, they get a check. So their checks throughout the month are less. The school's holding on to that money, and basically, so it's like they get paid over twelve months instead of ten months. But each month they're making less. Um, but when I was in an accounting class in high school, my accounting teacher explained how that worked. And he had us do the math. So he, because all the district documents, because I was at a public school in high school, um, all the the district documents were public. It was open. And so he pulled it and he said, all right, let's go through the bookkeeping here. And so we went through all of the 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 salary that was being withheld that the district was holding on to, mm-hmm. how many, how much money it was. And it was, it was an insane amount of money. And then how the district had that money inside of like a, a special account or like invested so that they were making the interest. But when they paid the employees back, the employees didn't make the interest on it, right? They got to keep all of that interest, <laughs> oh, right? Hey. So, and that, I mean, it, it's smart, it's wise, but at the same time, that's money, that's interest that that employee, if they were careful enough to save, could be making it. So I actually have a like a, a separate bank account, a separate savings account. I opened it up years and years ago through Barclay. They had the best at the time. Maybe there's better ones now, uh, but they had the best online savings account. And it's like almost 2% interest rate. It's like one point, maybe it's not 2%. It might be like one point. It's somewhere between 1.3 and 1.7. I can't remember the exact amount, but it's really neat because I just take that amount that the school would be saving for me and I put it in there and I get paid the the that percentage compounded all the time. And so maybe even thinking about something like that for you. So if you know that there's a certain amount of your cells that might be returns, instead of just keeping it in PayPal where there's not going to be any return on, it might be worthwhile to have a a separate account that you can easily put money into. I can make transfers to that every day. It's easy to do. Um, But that if there is no returns in a given period of time, you're actually making interest on that money before you reinvestment. So, I mean, we might be talking small scale here if you're, you're not putting thousands of dollars in there, but Hey, every dollar counts. No, agreed. And you know, the super wealthy, that's how they make a lot of their money. Yeah. <laughs> that's the way they do it. Now I didn't want to be, you know, I want to take a few steps back. So let's talk about returns a little bit. So I'm, what I'm going to say is unpopular opinion, but I really believe all e-commerce is going to be required to do returns. Yeah. And, and whether or not it's required, like I, I think there, there probably will be sites that's going to absolutely 100% require it, but I think it's going to be necessary to stay competitive because more and more customers are expecting it. So even if, even if eBay says you don't have to do free returns or you don't have to do returns because you don't, you don't have to do returns, but we noticed our sales went up once we started doing returns. And I bet if we did free returns, our sales would go up even more and we'd have to do the cost benefit analysis of is the sales increase worth the all of the free returns we're having to do? Uh, but I think as more customers are used to free returns, it's probably going to become necessary. Well, I'm looking at some data here. So there was an article that came out in Forbes. I thought it was an interesting article. It's this uh, individual who had Howard Rosenberg. Okay, he had worked for eBay for business, and he had recognized all this, all these returns. And eventually, he ventured on his own, and he pretty much 
sells returns or things that they can't stock anymore or you know just the over stuff and and makes you know right here it just said the ebay veteran cashing in on the 369 billion returns boom Mm. Right. And so, you know, you should read it. It's on Forbes. It, it, I think it, it was an interesting story because we always talk about this. We talk about this as Grant Cardone's 10X, where there's always an unfair advantage, mm-hmm. right? If you can provide something and be innovative that others aren't thinking about, you have an unfair advantage, which allows you to make more money. So this is what this individual did. And obviously he's well off. And within this report by Forbes, there's this chart. And let me just read it real quick. As e-commerce grows, so too will returns. And they basically state, as more shoppers flock online where return rates can hit an eye-popping 30%, the 30% of everything, right? That's really high. I mean, mine is at 3% on eBay. It's probably at 10% or a little more on Amazon. Triple the rate of in-store purchases. Mm. Triple. Now, do you think that makes sense? It it does make sense to me, actually, because... There's a lot of benefits to buying online. I mean, that's the reason why our, our culture is moving that direction. Uh, but one of the downsides is that you don't actually get to physically touch the item, see the item, put the item on, right? I, I notice that a lot of the times when I, I'm scrolling through Amazon, one of the great benefits of sites like Amazon where you can read reviews of products and, and kind of see like, is this the one I want? Um, that's the benefit. But the negative is you don't always get to see what it looks like. So you might buy something and then you get it and you put it on your table and you're like, this is not as big as it looked in the picture. This doesn't work for my table. Whereas if you were buying it in a store, you'd sit, you'd grab it and you'd say, no, that's too small. Or clothing, same thing, right? A lot of times you go into the dressing room, you try the clothes on, nope, this doesn't fit. I can't tell you how many times I walk in with 20 items into a, a, a the clothing, you know, changing section of a store and I walk out with two that fit right, right? But if you're buying clothes online, Unless you absolutely know and you've already tried it on the store. Sometimes I do that. I go to the store and try on the brands before I buy it online. But it makes sense that more people would be doing returns. And Amazon even offers, you know, like their wardrobe thing where you can do that, where you can get it, try it, return it for free if it doesn't fit. And so it does make sense that returns would be higher on on e-commerce. And it has been higher. I mean, if you look, it was, okay, so in 2010, okay, e-commerce is a percentage of the total retail sales. In 2010... They doubled from 2010 to 2018. Okay, so they, you know, and now part of retail sales, they were 4.4 percent back in 20 uh, in 2010 of retail sales. Now they're at 9.9 percent back in 2018. I don't know what the number is going to be for 2019 once the data is all calculated. But when they look at the returns, I mean, it it every year. You should check out the report on there. Every year it's grown, and and here's what I'm what I'm seeing is that. You had talked about with the wardrobe thing, but think about it. UPS, like I can go to pretty much any UPS store and do an Amazon return. Yep. I can go to any Kohl's, I can do an yep. Amazon return, right? We've had individuals DM us that eBay, even though they had no returns, they still had to accept the return. Hmm. We've had Poshmark do that, you know, no. to, yeah, I, yeah, we've gotten DMs, yeah, that basically the individual, whatever reason said this about, you know, I know on Poshmark, like if your size is off or there's something on your end that you mess up, they can still return it. Really? I've never heard about that. Oh no. Check our DMs, man. It's happening. Really? Because my understanding of Poshmark was doing returns or refunds had to be done outside of Poshmark. Like they didn't facilitate it. No, they make it happen. Like they're, they're forcing it. Huh? So news to me. Yeah. Let us know in the comments. It's, and this is what I'm saying. I, I think we're going to get in a place where it's not going to be an option. This is what, because if you take a look at it, right? One of the reasons a lot of people like Poshmark and Mercari is that there's no returns, 
Right. Well, now if it's happening, you know, and, and granted, I've always said this Poshmark is new, right? So they're doing a lot of things to try to separate themselves, but eventually over time to be competitive with buyers, they're going to have to offer. I mean, you think, I think about myself, one of the reasons I love buying from Amazon is I can return it at any point in time. And it's really easy. They streamline it. I print the label. I can drop it off anywhere. It's easy. I would hate to buy something personally as a buyer from Poshmark that's a clothing item. And if I get it and if it doesn't fit right, I'm like stuck with it. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel like, I mean, it's it's one thing with eBay with the clothing returns. I just feel like the used clothing market is a little different in that sense. And and maybe Poshmark goes that way and I could be off and, and they're already doing that. But I feel... I can't imagine sellers wanting to stay on a platform where if something doesn't fit, people are just sending it back automatically. I, I don't know. Well, you have to remember every platform is buyer centric. I mean, it is buyer centric, but but one of the things is I think what s- separates Poshmark is they have the used clothing that is a little different and the the market they're reaching to. And I don't know, like if they're buyer centric, but if none of the sellers are like, no, this doesn't work for me, we're going to go somewhere else. There's not going to be any buyers if there's no sellers. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think the sellers that want to stay competitive will be happy for people to leave. Like I, you know, I, we always say this on the podcast. I mean, on the podcast or on Instagram is that, you know, and, and we've had people comment this that when people are like, "Well, I'm never going to offer returns. I'm never going to do free shipping," and that's good if that works for you. That works for you. But other resellers are like, "That's okay," because that opens us to, uh, you know, we can get more sales. Right. And so you just got to figure out now, again, I'm not saying that you can't have sales if you charge shipping and you don't do free returns. There are, I know plenty of people that do really well and really well off doing what they've done for years. But I, what I'm seeing is as the return trend is happening, okay, in retail and it's happening in e commerce and platforms are pushing it, it's something that we're all going to, I believe, we're going to all have to get used to. And, and how we adapt to it is going to make the difference in how our business goes, right? And so, you know, how do we safeguard against this, right? So how do you prevent returns, right? Because ultimately, the best way to not have to deal with returns is to do everything possible to stack things in your favor because they're going to happen regardless, right? So some of the things I've always, you know, I've always pushed is make sure everything is a hundred percent accurate. I, I, with eBay, that's a big deal because I've had so many people say, you know, message us or I've experienced it myself where back in the day when I had no returns, all it took was one word to be off or a picture not to be clear or my listing to have something wrong. And then eBay's like, Nope, you got to accept the return. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? So that's one way. One way is to make sure your picture is always good. Your listing's good. Your description is accurate. And on that same note, don't be too detailed, right? Because the more detail you put, the more you put yourself out there for somebody to challenge it, right? So for example, like I have my leather jacket because I chose to wear it for the podcast. Now there's wear on it, right? And I can't, you can't see it maybe all on the camera, but for me to take a picture of every spot where there's wear would be crazy, right? And let's say I took, you know, all 12 pictures and six of them showed places where there's wear. And then in my description, I, I said, there's a flaw in picture one, flaw picture two, flaw picture three. Well, what if I sell this and somebody gets it and they're like, hey, you missed this right here. 
you say no returns, but you know what? Your your listing was inaccurate. They call eBay. They open a case. I'm 100% sure eBay will side with the buyer. Right. But if you, you know, you take your certain amount of pictures and you put, hey, there's cosmetic wear throughout, you're in a safer place because they make the argument that, hey, you didn't put this on the listing. You can say, well, no, I did. I said there's cosmetic wear throughout. But if you're offering free returns anyways, mm-hmm. that doesn't really matter. Correct. But I noticed that I've I have been offering free returns in the last two, three years. I've never had one return because somebody was bothered about a wear or a condition. Every single return I've had, no, two, there's two reasons I've had returns. One is it didn't fit as far as clothing goes, or two is they just didn't like it. That's it. I've never had one that said, hey, you didn't point out that this was flawed or you didn't say that this was messed up. I mean, I have sent, you see my jackets, super distressed. And all I put is jacket is distressed throughout. Nobody questions anything. Mm. Right. So that's one way I would say that you can safeguard yourself from returns. The other way, which sounds unconventional, and I've said this before, is what and it's kind of kind of strange, but when you offer free returns, right, I find that people are less likely to challenge because they already felt that safety and security, and so they don't feel like jilted when they get something that's not what they expected. Mm-hmm. Right. But if every every single roadblock has been put in place, they're gonna fight to go through every single roadblock. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds unconventional, but that, that has been in my experience. And we've talked about this before that when you turn returns on, numbers don't really change. And the, I mean they they did for us. Um we definitely like had, substantially? Oh yeah. I mean okay. we, we went from hardly ever having returns to having significantly more, especially with clothing returns. Um, but our sales increased too. So I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say doing returns has hurt us, but the number of returns that we're processing on a, on a monthly basis has gone up significantly. But has your percentage changed? Do you know what I mean? Like if you have your, if your sales have increased. Yeah. I I would say our percentage has definitely increased. Like, 10% 10% or like just, a few I don't, points. I don't have the exact number, okay. but, but I, it, it is increased enough. I mean, we're maybe making an extra 10 sales every, every week now that we, or, you know, whatever that is, I'm just throwing a number out yeah, there. Yeah. We're maybe making an extra 10 sales a week since we've turned on free returns or returns. And we're probably getting an extra three returns. Whereas before when we sold 10 items, maybe, maybe we would get one return. Right. So maybe. So it, it is it's it's a significant increase in returns, but the overall, so the percentage has definitely gone up. But because the volume of sales has gone up that much more, it's it's worth it. Okay. No, I see what you're saying. And I'm, you know, I'm open to say that my scenario doesn't run we're one with everybody. The other item is, you know, we've talked about the seller protection, right? And we've we've, you know, and this is all anecdotal, but we've heard a lot that like, you know. If you don't offer returns and there's a scenario, eBay is less likely to side with you. They want to see that you're making everything possible to work in your favor. So if you if you want to safeguard yourself against a negative feedback or, you know, having issues with eBay or cases being open, one of the best ways is to still offer returns. Yeah. And the nice thing with the seller protection, um, and, and to be honest, that's 
that's it's it's a carrot and a stick situation, right? Like they're yeah. really they're offering a reward, like hey, offer returns, we'll give you some extra protection. But then there's also kind of that looming threat of, and if you're not offering returns, you're not getting these protections, right? So, um, which means you might get stuck with that negative feedback that we might have worked with you with. So. But that, that's how it is. Yeah, that is kind of a way of them funneling people towards returns. Because, of course, that's going to be better for eBay if more and more of their sellers are offering returns. The nice thing is, though, you don't have to do free returns to get the correct to get the seller protection. So I just want uh, listeners to be aware, because I'm sure there's some who are like me when I first started of like, no, I'm not doing returns. Like, unless I messed up, if I if I said it was a medium and they got it, and it was actually a large, absolutely, I'll refund them or I'll return it or whatever the situation is. But... Otherwise, I'm not going to do returns because I don't. I'm not making enough to make this worth it to have to pay for shipping or anything like that. But when it's not free returns, the nice thing is, I mean, like I said, I could I could be potentially losing out on a lot of money because I'm not doing free returns. However, when there are returns, I know it's because the customer really wants return. And there have been times where a customer is asking for a return, and it has been something I've messed up on. Uh, for instance, um, one time I read a shoe wrong and I, I did it as a male size instead of a female size. And that was my bad. I, I messed up. It was, they were, they were bummed out because they loved the shoes. They wanted them. They were just, they were female shoes instead of male shoes. And so even though I didn't offer free returns, I obviously paid for their shipping back. Right. But there's been many other things where people are like, sorry, this didn't fit. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Go ahead and send it back to us. And they're paying the $12 to ship it back. I'm not eating that cost. And I get my inventory back and still getting good review. And they can't leave me a negative review because I've got the seller protection. Um, I mean, they could try, but for the most part, they understand like, you know, well, I bought this, I have to pay for the shipping. Is it worth it for this $40 item I bought to spend 12 to get my 30 bucks back? And many will do it, but you're not eating that cost. Again, I could be losing money by not having free returns, but this model is working for me. So if you're hesitant, um, at least going to returns, not free returns is, is useful on eBay. Now, do remember the other side that you may be losing money if you don't offer free returns, right? Because that doesn't that prohibits you from being a top rated plus on your listing. Which, if if that's if you are not top rated plus, you cannot take advantage of the ten percent off final value fees, right? You also end up higher in the search, right? And so, you know, you kind of got to balance it out. It depends what you're selling, what the value is of the items you're selling, and so you know, I do find that. <laughs> eBay is at its utmost there to help you if your listing is a top rated plus, mm. right? So just some things to think about. All right. The other thing I want to share, and then we're going to get into the practical about what do we do with this junk when it comes back to us is uh, don't take it personal. You just can't like I struggle. You know, you get that, you get that item, right? That you sold for $150. This happens on Amazon all the stinking time where you're going to, you have a high priced item. And it sells like, yes, money mm. in the bank. Then somebody returns it. Then you get really upset. But you don't know why, right? Yeah. It could have, if it's a clothing item, maybe it didn't fit. If it's a toy item, you know, you and you got to be, I, I, I'm not a fan of using this, but you have to be empathetic, right? So I'll give you an example. Right now, a lot of the higher priced items that I sold was because there were scarcity when it sold. Mm -hmm. Now there isn't scarcity and I'm getting returned. So for example, I had an advent calendar that just got returned. Did it get used? I don't know. I'm waiting for it to come back. But, you know, I had purchased it for about $20 and I flipped it for $72. It's very possible that one, maybe it never got used to sit in the corner 
Or they realized after Christmas, and they're like, I spent an extra 50 bucks on this junk, and I'm going to return it. Now, I mean, if it's something like an advent calendar where it's like a use <laughs> once and then return, that's messed up. No, no, it, it is messed Trust me. I, in my mind, I'm like, there needs to be some kind of policy that if it's like anything Christmas related, like you can't return it after the 24th. And that'd be like... Because like, a lot of stores have that. That'd be like um, buying a, a prom dress on, on Amazon, wearing it to prom and then returning it. Oh, yeah. that happens on eBay all the oh, time. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sure. The eBay rentals, yeah. like all the time, right? Or you put yourself as a parent, right? You buy this toy. Right. And, you know, a lot of people don't do research. I think that's the number one thing because it's kind of crazy. So one of the toys that I sold for a lot of money on Q4 was selling at one of the big box stores for half the price the entire time. But for a re reason, I don't know, they didn't want to research it and they bought it. But some of these, I've gotten some of these returned and I'm pretty sure what happened was they were walking through the toy aisle at Target or Walmart and they look and go, Wait a and what they could do at that point, I mean, we know people do this, is they use your toy, but they want to send it back new and unopened, so they buy the toy cheaper at Walmart. Oh, wow. I didn't, are you you. Are you, I didn't even think about that. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. People do that for sure. People will, people will, if they get something, they use it, they find it cheaper, but like some things can only be returned like new, like certain companies. Actually, I'd rather have that happen. Because then at least you get it. Then new. I can flip it again. Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Maybe that has happened. No, Who I'm knows? sure it has. Yeah. People do that all the time. Um, Interesting. Uh, but one of the things too, and 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 I don't mean to be, um, I don't mean to not be sensitive here, but realistically, I would assume most of our listeners are reasonable people, right? Like I, I, from interacting with you guys on <laughs> on social media and stuff, you guys are all very reasonable, smart, intellectual entrepreneurs. But we've all been in public and seen the crazy customers or we've been on social media and seen like the freak out videos where people freak out mm -hmm. over the craziest things. And sometimes I look at these people and I'm like, you know what? These are real people that exist in our society, right? Like <laughs> they're out there like that, that just they okay. just don't see the world the same way we do. Right. They're there. And so sometimes I get customers. They they respond to the most bizarre things on eBay about something. And it's like you can feel like you're being personally attacked. And what I try to do is I recognize like, okay, most likely this is one of those people or they're having a really bad day. I don't know. But if I, if I picture it like that, it's actually less of an impact on me than if I think this is a reasonable, rational person who's attacking me. Right. If I'm kind of like, this is a person who like, you know, they just see the world differently and they have these freak out moments that end up on YouTube as like funny videos because they're in Starbucks and they're throwing their cup and they're freaking out because, you know, the ice was on the bottom and said, you know, whatever it is, it's like, okay, if it's that person who's sending me this message, I'm just going to laugh it off and it's not personal. Whereas if it's somebody who is a decent customer, it's like, ooh, did I mess up? Like, why is this happening? You know what I mean? Does, mm -hmm. uh, that might just be a psychological thing. But if I think about that, like, there are those people who are out there. It doesn't matter what you do. You're never going to please them. Um, and so it's not a personal attack against you. Um, just picture that person that you saw that one time that you had to tell your friends about at a store who had a crazy freak out moment. And when they're messaging you, realize, look, if this is the person I'm dealing with, if there's somebody like that, nothing I say or do is going to resolve this situation in a way where I won, right? Like, just take the return and don't take it personally. Just kind of laugh it off and like, well, here we go. See, one of the best things I did on eBay, and I say that in hyperbole, but one of my things I, I'm glad I did is 
automatic returns. Mm. So as soon as somebody doesn't want something, I don't even have to think about it. I don't have to go like, do I want to return it? Do I want to even communicate? It's like, boom, it's done. Print the label, just send it back. Right. And it's been so nice and so convenient not to have to think about that. Uh, you know, Amazon's a little different. I, yeah. I think, I think, I feel like, <laughs> like when, B, when eBay, when there's an eBay return, unless it's a big dollar amount, it's usually like a airsoft gun. Mm. But when it's a, when it's Amazon, I feel like it's fully auto. Like it just, it's like boom, 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 boom. Mm. It, especially in January just painful so but you can't take it personal because if you sold on a large scale it makes sense that you're gonna have to deal with returns on a mass scale and it doesn't mean you don't feel it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt it doesn't mean it doesn't stress you out it's going to but do your best you know to empathize and and to just not take it personal and just imagine how i mean if you if you treat yourself like a business um and you recognize this is something you have to do it kind of helps too because Whenever you walk into a Walmart or a Target or a Costco and you see the line of people with stuff to return, can you imagine if those companies took each one of those returns personally? They just can't, right? Like they take those returns and you know they're losing money on some of them, but overall they're making so much money. It's worth it to them to keep their customers happy. Um, and, and so if you're a business and you're not, you know, just a person, but you're a business when you're doing this reselling thing, you know, just kind of think of yourself like, hey, this is the cost of doing business and I'm not going to take it personally. I mean, I've seen uh, at one point I wanted to try and learn how to to surf and that did not go well. Um, I, I ended up selling my surfboard through like Craigslist, I think. Uh, but I bought one of the Costco foam boards. They're like famous, right? They're mm-hmm. like $100 foam boards. And I was like researching them. And I sure enough, I saw this whole article where someone's like, Costco foam, foam boards are great because you can ride them and ride them like crazy. And these are like almost professional surfers until they break and then take them back and get a new one. You see, I saw like a picture of somebody in the Costco return line with like a broken one under their arms. And they're taking it back to return for a new one. You know, and it's like, there are people who do those kinds of things or returning stuff. And, and those companies don't take it personally because they just can't. And so we shouldn't take it personally either. It's so crazy that you just brought up Costco. So that was going to be the my last thing I wanted to talk about here. So, you know, the feeling when you go and return something at, let's say at Target or a Walmart or some other store, and you get that employee that is really snarky. Yeah, kind of pushing like, like why, why are you returning this? Yeah, and you feel really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't want to deal with it, right? And so, not that you won't go back and shop there, but it makes you like... Like, give me your driver's license um, and, and explain. Yeah, and they want to know, like, you feel like almost like a criminal. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. So, you know, if that experience constantly happens, you may not go back to that store, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's a genius in Costco. Right now, a lot of people did take advantage of Costco. They used people used to return their bigger screen TVs for bigger screen TVs, mm-hmm. right after so long, and then it, Costco stopped that and, and made it only ninety days and and so on. But oh, they sell. I mean, that's true. They've changed it. But I've had I bought my TV at Costco a while back before I had to sell it when I moved to my fifth wheel, and the the guy at the Costco like the the salesman for the TVs was pushing me to buy like an extra like uh-huh. protection plan. Cause he's like, yeah, if you buy this extra protection plan, it's like, it's an extra hundred bucks. He goes, but it's two years. And he says, honestly, just bring it in at like a year and nine months and just say there's something wrong with it. And you can get another one. Well, I'm dealing with that right now. You know? I'm on year number four on my TV and it's like flickering. Mm. And so I'm going to get another bigger TV here pretty soon. But what I wanted to say is with Costco is I don't feel uncomfortable when I'm in that line. Yeah, they don't ask questions. They don't ask questions. And even myself out of like guilt, I'm like, you know, like, I don't know. I have bag of chicken strips. I'm like, my kids just didn't like it. 
No judgment. They're like, all right, whatever. Are, that's like the Seinfeld episode with the fruit, returning the fruit. Yeah. Like, fruit's but, a gamble. They can't return fruit. Fruit's a gamble. But there's no guilt. So I'm more likely to buy from Costco. And that's the example I wanted to give about with your own e-commerce business. Right. If if buyers feel less guilt and they feel more, you know, safety or they feel safer buying from you because you have this great return policy, chances are that they're more likely to buy from you. So mm-hmm. that's my two cents. I like it. All right. So let's talk about the practical. What do we do? Right. You get all this junk. What do you do? Do you donate it? Do you make a bonfire? You know, do you I don't know, figure what ways to you know, get creative. So the very first thing, if it's an Amazon, I really, I, I implore you to just inspect it. And if it's all good, just send it back. Mm. Right. If it's a new item, right. Or if it's used or you can still send it back like new. I've had multiple things that I sent in new came back. The box was creased or, you know, there's something off with it. And I sent it back like new and I, I still made my money. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm, I'm even right now, there's some items that were sent back to me uh, at the end of Q4 that I sent back. And actually, I made more money on certain things, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, I had something similar happen. I mean, it's a little different with eBay, but we bought I bought a uh, a unopened Barnes and Noble Nook and it was an older model. It was like 2012 or something. like that. So it's an older model yeah. Nook, um, but it's unopened and we listed it kind of high and it sold. And we had shipping on there and we actually made some money on the shipping, but we didn't have free returns. We just had returns. The person got it after they got it um, or as it was like on its way there, they actually like messaged us like the day after we we shipped it. They're like, oh, like I actually researched the model and I like I, I, I noticed that this was the 2012 and we put that in the in the description. We're like I didn't read it enough. I was hoping for like a, a newer models their way and cancel this order. It's like, sorry, we already shipped it. Um, they decided to return it. And so we got it back. Um, so we made a little bit of money on the shipping when we sent it to them. They send it right back. All I did was open it, uh, the box that it was in, because we spent the time to find the perfect box and the fir- perfect packaging. We open it. I look at it. Yep, still sealed. Put it back in. And literally, like two days later, it sold to somebody else. It was already packaged. All I had to do was tape it up, put a new label, send it out again. Right. So I actually made more money on it because somebody returned it, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny. So this is kind of related to safeguarding. So I want to share something that happened to me that is how things can go bad if you don't inspect your items. So I had this pair of Reebok pumps. I sold for $120 to someone. And these were vintage. So, you know, whatever. I sent them out and they're pristine. I get them back and maybe I'm the only one that does this. Okay. So maybe, or maybe there's one out there to help. I didn't want to bother looking at it. I was kind of annoyed. So I just refunded and put it back in my inventory. A month later, it sells. I go to get out of my inventory. Parts of it fell apart in my hand. Oh, no. I got scammed. Yep. So what happened is, I don't even know how, but this person had the exact same vintage Reeboks, and they just put their trashy ones in the return. And stupid me, they didn't open it. Because I, I was kind of annoyed. I took yeah. it personal. I didn't want to deal with it. I just threw it back in inventory, relisted it. And, you know, I was out. I, I wasn't, you got to remember, I'm not out to 100 something bucks. I'm out mm-hmm. to $20 that I spent on the shoe and then whatever extra shipping costs and the time and da 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 da. Right. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Yeah. I mean, right. people do that. I mean, just kind of like going back to what I was saying with people buying the cheaper one at Walmart and then returning to you, mm-hmm. right? People do the same thing with like, if, if they have, I don't know, 
uh, blender and it breaks, but they bought it years ago and they don't have the receipt for it, but Walmart still sells it. They'll go buy a new one, put the broken one in the new box, take it, return it, and they just got a new blender. Right? Like people do that stuff. So I love how this episode has turned into how to scam. Not how to scam, but just an awareness <laughs> that scamming happens. All right. So the other thing is don't think that just because you sold it on Amazon or just because you sold it on eBay, you can't sell it on any other platforms. Now, I say this because when you're a new seller, like I think uh, maybe I'm just speaking about my own experience, but you're very, you have tunnel vision. Like you just know eBay and I'm not going to sell it anywhere else. Or, oh man, this is an Amazon return. Well, I guess there's no hope for this. Mm. I can't tell you how much money I have made by just flipping Amazon returns on eBay. And actually the article I was talking about, that that's one of the main things too. And remember, some of the top reselling YouTube videos are Amazon liquidation unboxings. Mm -hmm. Why? Because people know that there's profit in those items still. Right? So do everything you can. And I'll give you an example. Remember the, uh, the I've talked about, did I share this? Was this my house of the week, the Ryan's egg? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, right? The Ryan's egg was something that got returned to me. And it was returned. I don't know why it was returned six months after Q4. And then I flip it for 50 bucks more than I would have been able to sell out on Amazon. Right. So you never know because individuals may still be looking for those items, but maybe they stopped looking at that platform because they thought, you know, let's say Amazon was overpriced, but they're going to eBay and they're trying to find stuff on eBay. So remember the other platforms. Also, you can go local with stuff. All the time. I, to me, especially I, I find right now that Facebook Marketplace is booming. Mm. All right, you've had some experience with Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, Facebook Marketplace has been great. I mean, we've we've had a lot of sales on Facebook Marketplace. Facebook Marketplace is easy. I actually have one I'm going to uh, put the, the transaction up on uh, on Instagram here pretty soon. Uh, but I sold a, a Polk Audio subwoofer. Um, I, I may have mentioned it before that I bought it. I love Polk Audio. If you ever find Polk Audio, it's definitely a bolo. Um, of course, do your research, but, um, <laughs> we should have a little scrolling disclaimer. Just on the bottom. Always do your research. <laughs> just on the bottom. Anytime we say anything, not legally responsible. Um, so I, it was too big to sell. I mean, I, I probably could have shipped it, but I would have lost so much money on shipping. Right. Um, so I wanted to go local with it. It sold Facebook marketplace and I ended up getting like just the nicest responses from this guy. Like it was a little bit difficult to deal with in the beginning because he had so many questions, so many questions. And then like, you know, are you going to meet at this place? Yes, I'm going to meet at this place. Are you sure you're going to be there? I'm like, yes, I'm sure I'm going to be there. And then like on his way, like you're not backing out on me. And I'm like, no, like, so it's like kind wow. of a hassle. But when he finally got it, like I got a message like a few hours later and I'm like, oh goodness, like what now? Right. And his response, like, it was just like the nicest stuff. Like, I love it. I've got it in my room. It's like the greatest thing ever. Thank you so much. And then he sent me a message like a little bit later. Like, I still can't believe how great this thing is. I appreciate it. Right. So it was an easy sell cash transaction. I didn't have to, you know, deal with any extra fees or anything like that. And I mean, yeah, I had to meet somebody somewhere, but this is a big item that the shipping probably would have cost 50 bucks. And all of that, I could just, you know, put into the price a little bit and not have to worry about paying or dealing with the shipping. Because sometimes even just packing and and making sure it's secured, that's time you're losing. So the amount of time it took me to put it in my car and drive a block to this place I met him, I would have spent more time than that packing it and then driving to a UPS, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, and Facebook Marketplace, I really think they got something there because, um, I mean, Please I know- Please sponsor that, us. Yeah, right, I, I know there's a lot of, of, of local things. People do Craigslist, people do other things that are local. 
Uh, but Facebook Marketplace has been great. I've done a lot of like um, arbitrage on Facebook Marketplace. I just kind of scroll it for a few niches that I'm in and I find things all the time. And and it's it's a great program. And I know a lot of people who aren't resellers and they're selling stuff on Facebook Marketplace all the time. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is a growing popular place to sell things. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And here's the other advantage of local is that so if you sell something that's, you know, damaged or whatever on eBay or whatever, for, let's, say, let's say you had something on Amazon, gets sent back to you, returned, is damaged. You list on eBay. Well, then on eBay, you have to, you know, detail every flaw. Mm-hmm. You know, you run the danger of it maybe being messed up. But if you go local, the beauty of local, what I love is they can inspect the item right there. And once they buy it, it's done. Yeah. Right. So I'll give you an example. I had a major sale today. Remember I talked to you about it earlier. Mm-hmm. I was scared to put in, I can't share this because I'm going to share later on in a future podcast, but I was scared to list it online because I didn't know everything about it. Right. I'm like, oh, what if they find something after the fact, but local, I mean, the guy showed up, he saw everything. So if at any point he comes back, he's like, you didn't tell him like, Hey, you looked at it. You paid in cash. We're done. Mm. Right. There's nothing more. Right. And so it's also more likely you'll get shot, but, you know, <laughs> you'll get shot. Well, well, it's over. I, I all I can tell you is I really, really, I, I felt so good after that transaction because I knew it wasn't going to be returned. I knew, and it was a nice sale too. And I did everything possible to make this guy be a hundred percent sure about their purchase. Yeah, and I think one of the differences with Facebook Marketplace, even talking about returns, may be different than even Craigslist. Craigslist, there's no account. You've got no rating system. Um, you can, you can sell something that is broken or whatever to somebody, um, they get home, they try, it doesn't work and they may have no way of contacting you again. Right. Like you met them in a parking lot. I think that's a nice thing. I mean, it is a nice thing, but with Facebook marketplace, what's a little different with that is it's actually attached to your account, right? To the, to your mm-hmm. Facebook account. And you do have rankings. There is rating system in Facebook marketplace. Is it really? There is. And oh, so great. hopefully it worked out. Uh, yeah, no, no. So with Facebook Marketplace, so if you are that kind of person who's scamming, you're going to get busted or people are going to stop buying from well, you. Well, it's kind of like OfferUp. OfferUp has the same right. thing. So the nice thing with that is with that, it gets rid of the people who are doing shady things that are scamming and it provides customer confidence. And when customers are confident, they're more likely to buy, right? So that's one of the reasons I think programs like Facebook Marketplace have far surpassed or maybe not have surpassed, but are definitely um, the new wave of things like Craigslist. Interesting. I learned something new, Mike. I mean, I've been using Facebook marketplace. I don't know. Where, where have I been? How did I miss that rating system? Yeah. And I'm I actually, hidden somewhere. Like I, I don't think it's easy to find. The only reason I knew that there was one is the guy that I told you that I sold that Polk audio. He responded to me. I'm going to leave you um, positive feedback. And I was like, Oh, and then like, Sure enough, I got like an email that he sent me positive feedback. And then there was a place for me to respond with feedback of the buyer. So the buyer and the seller both like rate each other. And so I gave him positive rating. But then it's not like I don't think it's like upfront on your Facebook. But I think I, I'm, I'm assuming that Facebook has ways of like saying like, hey, you've got too many negative feedbacks or something. But um, there is a, a way of, of giving feedback. Okay. I'm looking at my thing right now, wondering if I got feedback, but sorry, I, I haven't even marked it sold. I just marked it sold. Mm. All right. So there's that option. Okay. The other option, actually, I, did you, in the notes, I put newspaper ads. Hey, you can do newspapers. By the way, 
friends may be willing to buy it off of you now. It gets a little awkward, right? To understand, I I don't know. Do you agree with me? I'm never a fan of making deals with friends. Yeah, it's always a little scary. Like I always tell people straight up, like we're friends, but I'm going to charge you what anybody else. I do the same thing on social media when people hit me up on Instagram about items they see in the stories. I'm like, I'm going to charge you just like anybody else because it just gets awkward. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm kind of the opposite, I think. Yeah. Um, you, you have a soul and I don't? Is that what no, I'm not saying that. I just, maybe, I mean, if somebody wants to buy something and they want to go in my store and buy it, you know, that's fine. But for the most part, um, unless like I bought something for $20 and I'm going to be able to sell it for like $800 and they're like, oh, dude, give me a good deal. I'm not going to give it to them for the 20 bucks. But if I buy something for 20 bucks and I can sell it for 40 and somebody is like one of my close friends really wants it, I'll probably give it to them at my cost, right? Like if, if there's not a huge like profit margin there, I'm just going to eat it for the sake of, you know, I'm breaking even, but I'm doing my friend a solid. I've done that before. I've even like, I had a, um, like a brand new microwave that I got and I was going to sell it. And then I, one of my future friends was like, Hey, does anybody know who has like a, a used microwave? Like mine broke. And I was like, dude, I got one. Okay, like, but, okay, it, but it was that's, free, that's, you know, that's different. No, no, I get it. I think, I think it's, I think it's different, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. So no, I'm not that cold hearted. I feel me and you have exchanged no, no, things. Sure, yeah. So, you know, okay. I have a soul. All right. The other part is if you have too many damaged items or you have a few items, you can always lot them up. I think we forget about the power of lotting things up because, you know, a part, it might just be junk and you're kind of done with it. But if you put it together and you have multiple pieces, you're able to sell it. Right. So I'll give you an example. So I had a one, you know, at one point like Legos, I had a bunch of sets that got returned and they were missing different pieces. Mm. Right. But then I, I lotted them up and, you know, I got it at a good deal and eventually I was just able to break even on it. But I was able to lot, you know, to lot them up and somebody said, you know, Hey, I'm willing to buy parts of it. You know what I mean? And it's like that with anything. Uh, you know, if I'm trying to think of other scenarios. Like sometimes you may get returns of like, let's say board games, right? And let's say you have four or five and there's pieces missing, but you know, you may be able to lock it up or maybe you may be able to complete and have one together and right. sell it. Yep. Right. So just things to think about. You got it. You got to think about outside the box. I would say with eBay, it's probably one of the best place to lock things up just because some things have no value until they're together with a bunch of other things. I don't know. So that's yeah, my thoughts. That's good. That. So, all right. Hey, we're going to move on to our hustle of the week. Cause I think we're return heavy and you know, let's have some uplifting like things it. to talk about. But before we do that, if you haven't had a chance, make sure to check us out on social media. We are pure hustle podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, And, uh, you know, I want to say I appreciate everybody on that platform because we have our loyal Facebook people and I, I wish I could shout you guys out right now, but we have our tried and true Facebook that thank you for your patience that sometimes we comment on our post like two weeks later, mm. sometimes three, because we're so busy on the different platforms. So thank you guys. Really appreciate all the love you show us on Facebook and TikTok and Instagram. We're also Pure Hustle Podcast, uh, Pure Hustle Cast on Twitter Hey, we're like at 620 on followers on Twitter. Like, I don't know what's going on, but hey, I'm hoping to be at 1K by, let's say, the end of February. That'd be pretty nice. And then if you haven't had a chance yet, you want to leave us an a email, 
our email is peersofpodcast at gmail.com. That's peersofpodcast at gmail.com. You can always give us a call. 619. We're waiting for that. 619. If you're one, listening to podcast, Mike always does this like phone signal. You can always give us a call. 619-738-1170. 619-738-1170. If you want to leave us a hustle of the week on there, that'd be awesome. Or bolo on there, that'd be great too. We're open to that. And hey, if you're listening to a podcast, you haven't checked us out on YouTube, make sure to hit that subscribe on YouTube and that notification because we may be dropping new content on there. You know, we have a lot of stuff mm. that we just haven't put out there. Mm-hmm. I have my Toys R Us haul from like a year and a half ago. Yep. I have my Office Depot haul. I have my Shopco haul. Like I have a lot of things. You have stuff in the works that we get so busy with, you know, uh, what we really do for a living, reselling yeah. and you're teaching. That, you know, you never know. We may drop some of those uh, anytime. Yeah. And uh, last of all, uh, two things. Thank you again for the donations. Really appreciate that. There's a PayPal link if you want to say hi and thank you in a monetary way. And reviews. Yeah. Let's read one of them. Oh, let's do it. Can we do that? Let's do it. But talk to to them about why it's important while I pull, pull it up real quick. So... We always do this every episode. Sorry. We all know about the importance of algorithms, right? Like we're all desperately trying to not manipulate, but, but, but be on the top of, of, of our algorithms on, on Amazon, on eBay and for podcasts like us. And, and we do this uh, because we hope that we're providing value. We hope that, you know, we love being part of this community, um, but we also, it's really important to us to continue to grow. It means a lot to us that, that we get more listeners. And so the number one way of doing that is for you to share with your friends, to tell your friends about it, to let other people know. And one of the best ways to let people know about our podcast is through iTunes reviews. iTunes, their algorithm is 100% set up. The more reviews you have, the more comments you have, the more five stars you have, the higher up you show in the search rankings, the obviously even people looking are going to uh, see the, the our podcast and and feel like it's, oh, that must be a good podcast. And so those reviews help us so much. And not only do they help us in the sense of they help us get new listeners, but it actually is one of the main reasons Orlando and I keep doing what we're doing. So when we read those reviews, it's like, I mean, there's times where we're like having a really rough week. We're like, man, do we really have like four hours to spend on setting up a podcast, recording a podcast right now? Like I'm busy, you're busy. And then we get like a review where somebody says something like, you've totally helped to change my life. Like I've been able to get out of student loan debt or um, some of your bolos have have done this for me or whatever it is, well, here, your book reviews. I'll just read one, yeah, one of them. The latest one from Sunny Brothers said, I just sold some things I found made a profit. These guys are the cause currently sourcing buyers for my wife or things to sell for my wife. Nice. So, hey, you know, you just never, but look, at, and then there's, you know, so they could be short. You don't even have to write anything. If you write anything, it's awesome. But if you put us, you know, five stars, it's, a, it's awesome. But Miss Haley Ann Really thought this one out. So anyways, we just like sharing these, right? Because no one's going to see these. So yeah. And they make us feel good. Like these are the <laughs> things that's like, all right, let's go. So, set it, let's go do another podcast. We just, we just talked about return. So let's read this real quick. I've been listening to the show since about the third episode. I was not a reseller when I started listening, but I am now. And I was able to make a few thousand dollars extra this year that I otherwise wouldn't have. Mike and Orlando have helped me tremendously over the past year and a half or so. And I look forward to every episode and listen as soon as it drops. They're informative, entertaining, and so very genuine. Appreciate that. We want to be real. Seriously. Yeah. Even if it costs me my ego, <laughs> we want to be real. Um, I highly suggest this podcast to anyone interested in reselling. P.S. I love the book review. Whoa. The book I review know, too. Yeah. 
episodes and I have read every book so far. So thank you, Miss Helianne. So anyways, that's our diatribe. Appreciate, love the reviews. And if you ever get a chance, you know, leave us something nice. That's right. All right. It's that time for... Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. We got some good ones this time. Yeah, we do. So our first one comes from... And if I mispronounce this, Orlando, you can help me out here. Okay. It's a Javi. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Javi and Holly, uh, Instagram handle at hike stop repurpose. Uh, bought a vintage. Wait, wait. Can we see? You are definitely the English teacher. You know how I read that? I read that as hikes to pre purpose. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure now. Right. This is like a license plate. You know, sometimes you got to try and no, like... Okay, but I think you're right. I think you're right. Anyways, okay, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, Javier right. and Holly. <laughs> so, bought a vintage J. Pueg? I think so. This Barcelona, one, I don't know. Spain, 12-inch nativity and stable at an estate sale for $20 this past summer. Yeah, I mean, that's $20 for a nativity set. I mean, that's you're paying up a little bit there. I've never even heard of that. Yeah. that that's, the, that's the one that got But it's me. a 12-inch, so it's pretty big. It's good size. I mean, maybe definitely something to uh, to research. Uh, and it was a long tail, so they waited for the right buyer. I mean, they bought it in the summer, um, and it ended up selling after Christmas, which is weird. Sometimes your Christmas stuff sells afterwards. Sold a lot of after Christmas stuff lately. Yeah. Um, and they paid 24 and they sold it for $700 Dollars. plus shipping. That's no joke. And that's that's only the first hustle. And movie. that's not even that long tail, to be honest. Like, I mean, it's long <laughs> no, tail. But summer to Christmas, like, I buy stuff all the time, like, two or three seasons out. Like, man, I can't wait. Like, this is going to sell in, like, eight months. 2022. But, yeah. But, hey, that's awesome. Good job. Um, that, that, that should tell everybody to be on the lookout for... Uh, I mean, that, that's something I've never even... I mean, I've bought a few, like, Christmas decorations in boxes that are kind of, like, similar to stuff like that. Uh, but like a full nativity set, you know, I don't know if that's something that like I would have, have thought. I mean, I, I might have researched it, but definitely if I see a JPEG Barcelona. If we even said that right, but. Yeah. Somebody, do your research. Yeah. Do your research. That's right. <laughs> All right. Boom. Hey, Brett at Brett Timmons 5 on Instagram, who has been part-time reselling for a long time. Uh, and has, I mean, this is just one of many awesome scores that he shared. And here's the thing. This is what I feel bad. So many of you share so many and I always say they're contenders because they are. But if you haven't been, make sure you hashtag hustle the week so others can see them. Uh, but you know, the thing that Brett picked up is one of those things that I really want to learn. I just, I don't take the time, but I need to. So he ended up buying a fishing reel at a flea market. Now I had a question for you, Mike, are flea markets, what they call them on the East coast, and on the West Coast, there's swamp meats. I think so. Are they different? I don't know. Let us know in the comments below. I'm really interested because... I, I think so. Okay. All right. So, bought a, bought a fishing reel for $30. Received all kinds of offers within an hour of it being listed. And here's the crazy thing. So, you, have you ever been to a place where you've gone to a fishing reel like, and there's like 30 of them? Mm-hmm. Right? They happen a lot in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And I really don't know what to do with them. Right? So, now after seeing this one... I'm just like, you know what? I need to start. I need to start researching more. So this thing sold and he actually broke it down. But, you know, we all know that there's hidden costs that we don't think about. So this is a this was a rare Abu Garcia Ambassador 5000D Champagne Real Gold. 
real, like R E E L, sold it for $309.99. Nice. Now he had free shipping. So after all the fees, he said that his profit was $232.57. Not bad. You can buy a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, cheaper Walmart fishing gear with that profit. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say you could buy a lot of fish so you don't have to fish anymore. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah. So. There you go. But hey, thanks so much, Brett IG handle, Brett Timmons5 on Instagram. Yeah. So, and that's Brett with two T's. Very good. Thank you. All right. What's next? All right. Our next one is Joe, Instagram handle at Charm City Picker. Was at an estate sale buying a bunch of stuff, noticed a gray bag on the floor in the garage and opened it, saw a typewriter looking thing and realized it was a new stenography machine. Uh, because it had like the weird keys. And if you don't know, those are uh, like courtrooms and stuff like yeah. that. Use them and it's like shorthand. So instead of each individual letter having keys, like they're 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 kind of jumbled together for like different phonemes and sounds and words or whatever. It's kind of a shorthand. Um, I don't know the science behind it. It's a thing. Um, anyways, so he put it in an Ikea bag so that he can bundle. We always recommend doing that if you can. If you can get a bunch of stuff put together and say how much for all of this. It's a great negotiating strategy. Um especially because then you can like take things out and put them back and you're not like just buying, bringing that one thing where, you know, it's just a great strategy. So he does that and was able to buy everything in that bundle for $75, went home and realized that the model that he bought sold for anywhere from between $1,800 to $2,500. He took an offer of $2,000 with free shipping. Holy cow. <laughs> okay. I think we're done. I don't think Mike and I have anything better to offer. Uh, yeah, no, no, not, <laughs> not today. But this keeps you motivated. Now, this is the second time that somebody, remember we had a couple of weeks ago, I think uh, IG handle was Van Halen. Mm-hmm. Forget the last number, but you know, you know who you are. And uh, he had bought all of these uh, like little motors. Oh yeah, that was remember? crazy. But it was in boxes in a garage and he's going to make like 30K, right? So, so I think about this, like Joe is at this estate sale. I'm just picturing this and he's all, all this and he sees this bag. What must have been going through his mind when he unzipped that bag and he notices and he knows what it is. He doesn't know how much, but he knows. What, I, I always get this anxiety. Like, mm. I need to buy this and I need to get out of here fast. Mm. You ever had those moments? Oh, yeah. So, you know, I look at the, And then when you go home and then there's more anxiety because you see how much it's going for. And then you're like, okay, can I really get this or am I, you know, swinging for the stars yep. here? But sure enough. That's a hustle of the week. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the opposite can also be true. I mean, first, I just want to say like hustles like this, um, Arlanda and I were actually just talking about whether or not I was going to go garage selling next weekend or this coming up weekend. Um, and I was kind of like, man, I don't know. Like, I kind of want to sleep in. I've got some inventory reserves. Like, I've been going hard this last week on stuff. Like, I might I might skip a day of, of, of being out there. But if you're not out there, you don't get these deals, right? And going out there doesn't guarantee you get them, but you're definitely not going to find this kind of stuff if you're sleeping in bed. So just something to keep you motivated and to think about. So what about you, Orlando? What's your uh, hustle of the week? Well, I love my hustle of the week. And so give you perspective. Before we do that, though, I just want to say thank you, Javi and Holly. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Joe. At Hikes to Prepurpose or Hikes Top Repurpose. I think that's what the name is. Brett Timmons 5 with two T's and Charm City Picker. Thank you, guys. All right. So my hustle of the week. So three years ago, I was at the store that shall not be named. And in the glass case, there are three pairs of van shoes. I think I've shared this on the podcast before. So these shoes look 
like vintage, like from like they were old. And I knew that they were vintage vans because if you ever see made in the USA, like on a vans or a pair of Chuck Taylors or Converse, that means they're vintage. So I looked at these shoes and they had the boxes with them. And I'm like, what is this? Right. And I look at comps and comps were like a hundred to 200, but the ones I, I had, they weren't anywhere to be found. So I'm like, huh? Now I noticed on these that there was like glue on them. Like the glue was coming apart and there's a bunch of wear on the box. And, but I, you know, I talked to the manager. This is when, you know, so that shall not be named was kind to me. And so I was able, I think I paid $12 for each pair. I, I didn't know. Kind of like Joe from Charm City Picker. I, I knew that they were valuable. I just didn't know how much value. I go home. I find comps that on one of them was like $800 if it was pristine. Right? So I list all three of them. I list them high. I list them for 600 to 700 And this is before Instagram. This is one of the things that you guys should be doing. Document your stuff for like three reasons. One so you can always keep them for motivation or something cool you can share with your kids, your grandkids. Two, it's a good kind of research thing. You know, you never know when you want to go back. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember. Like, okay, I got to keep an eye on those. And three, like you could, you know, these are things that you could share with others. Like if you want. Like I wish I had these. So the first two sold. The first pair sold for I think $410 two years ago, the other pair for sold for three thirty. So I had this one pair I'm holding out and I'm trying to look at how much I had it listed for. I had it listed for a good amount. Give me a moment here. So this one I had, I had listed for drum roll. No need for drum roll. This one I had listed for 549 99. And I can't tell you how many low offers I've had over the last two years. Right. Cause after the first two sold, I kind of got tempted to just offload it. Like I'm never going to get a small, but I waited. So I've had a hundred dollar offer. I've had a $150 offer. Well, last night, you know, I'm doing some dishes and you know, you get those big offers and you're like, you know, you're like looking well, at it here and I look $400 nice. plus shipping. I accepted it. And this person, guess how much feedback they had? Zero, zero feedback. And they paid right away. So, pair of vans, pay twelve dollars. Here's what's Come cool. Come on, hustlers! It's the I'm not done yet. <laughs> that won't show up in the podcast. That won't show. Let's keep it on the podcast. Let's keep it on the podcast. So, that that pair, what was cool is that there was a timestamp in the box, and on the box it says December 12, nineteen eighty one. I'm like, how cool is that? Like, it's like a historical artifact. So, I'm pretty sure. This is going to a museum or somebody's private personal collection because I'm not sure you can really wear these, right? So anyways, $12 to $400 plus shipping. I actually was sad to let this go. If you're watching Instagram today, I'm going to put on the Instagram story. I'm waiting till today. I'm going to show what show the pair, show how I packed it, make sure it got safe and all the different things I did to, you know, ensure that things were good. So that is my hustle of the week. Nice. That's way better than mine. Because uh, my hustle of the week is actually, it's it's not a, a, a item I bought and sold for a bunch of money or anything like that. Uh, it's a little different, but it's cool because on our road trip, we stopped and we mentioned that we got like brands that we didn't normally get to see here in California. And while we were out there, um, I got a, at one of the thrift stores, a nice Patagonia jacket. I wore it during the interview with uh, Not Your Dad CPA. 
It's a legit jacket. Yeah. My wife got a pair of Lulu legging or no. Lululemon, Lululemon um, pants, which are very expensive. And we got my son like a um, pair of like rain boots that are like perfect. We've been looking for a pair of rain boots like this. Um, good brand. And so I did the math. Like if I had bought all three of these things like new or even used on eBay, we would have been several hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Right. And we probably spent like $25 maybe total for all three. Nice. So one of the reasons it's a hustle of the week is because these are things, I mean, I'm not the kind of person, like I like to wear nice clothes. I like nice things, but I'm not the kind of person that like just buys that kind of stuff for myself all the time. Right. Like it's like a treat. Like, you know, if I'm going to get new clothes, like maybe for Christmas, I'll try and ask for like a nice shirt or nice jacket or something. But when you can find them at a thrift store Mm -hmm. and it's great and it's nice, it's like, it's an amazing win, right? It's like, yeah, I'll spend $12 on a, Patagonia jacket, you know what I mean? Like, no problem. And here's the one of the things that I wanted to like kind of bring this all around because it's so I, to me, it's a hustle because those aren't things I would have bought for myself necessarily. But if I would have, I would have spent a bunch of money. But now I have these nice brands that I can wear. But what's really cool is a lot of times I, I notice that people don't realize like they, they're looking for something for themselves, even. So, like, if you're a reseller and you're buying stuff, and you find like the perfect shoes and you're like, these are so awesome. I've been looking for a pair of these, but they're the wrong size. Mm. You're like, why can't I just find my size, right? Now I'm just going to resell these. But here's like a perspective change. If you find the wrong size, you're really just can exchange them kind of on eBay for the right size. Yeah. Right? Like all you got to do is resell the ones that you got that were the wrong size and buy a pair on eBay that are the right size. And there might be a little bit of a price difference there, because like once you factor in fees and shipping and stuff, but two items that are the wrong size definitely equals the item in the right size and style that you're looking for. So you can build your own wardrobe. You can build your own electronic collection. You can build your own game collection. You can build whatever it is slowly over time, either by finding the items yourself, which is, that's the funnest way when it's like, yes, I've been looking for this and it's here and it's my size or it's the the model I was looking for. Or it's like, man, this isn't the model I wanted, but if I sell it, I can use the money to buy the model that Mm -hmm, I do want. mm -hmm. And it's basically the same thing as finding the model you want at the store. And so think about that while you're out, um, you know, reselling and you're out at garage sales or thrift stores is even if it's like, man, I wish this was my size or I wish this was the one I was looking for. You can make it the one you're looking for by kind of just exchanging it on eBay, right? (laughs) You sell yours and you buy somebody else's. There you go. So I got to tell you, it changes your first, like (laughs) you. You can buy things that you never would have bought ever. Yep. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And, you know, it's nice. You can wear some Pata and it, no one knows that you got a thrift store. It's no, like, except for all of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wear the same brands, but I know they paid more, right? No, I, I hear yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, now that we've done the highlight of our episode, let's talk about the little more difficult but doable ways to deal with returns. Oh, all right. Here we go. Okay. So this one, see, I struggle with this one, but I know people do it is if you're doing retail arbitrage and it's, you can always return them. Yeah. And I think honestly, this is one of the reasons why a lot of, of retail companies are not fans of resellers, right? Is because when an item, and I think even somebody mentioned this in a comment, maybe on one of our YouTube videos, I don't know. Somebody said it maybe as a DM or something, uh, but, 
you know, and it's true. That is some of, one of the reasons why retailers can be upset with, with resellers is if when the demand is high, resellers buy them and then they return all of their leftovers after the demand is no longer there. Now the store is stuck with this inventory that they could have actually sold and might not have been returned. Right. So that is a pain for for retailers. So think about that when you're going to do that. If you do that return to retail, I'm not saying don't do that. Yeah, we're I'm not we're not advocates of it. I'm not a fan of it, but sometimes you got to be real. And if you know, everybody's made mistakes. Right. So if you've overextended yourself and you can't pay a bill because you made an unwise choice and you went all in on a certain item. That may be what you need to do. You know, I'm just I'm just being straight up with people uh, and and be aware, you know, the big boxers. Here's what's nice that even if you don't have your receipt, they can link your your card to the purchase that you made. Mm-hmm. Right. So so be aware of that. And, you know, it was only it's also a way you can get uh, banned at uh, Target is if there's too much. Uh, I mean, I know your thing was different yeah, with the yeah. circle, but if it becomes obvious that you're buying, if it doesn't sell returning um, and it's on a card or they start asking for your ID. That might be a quick way. Has for that happened to say, before? I've never had that happen. Before. No, but I can imagine though, if you were to if you were to constantly be making returns at a store and they were to recognize like, hey, if they're already not necessarily reseller friendly, and it's like, you know, you've returned thousands of dollars of inventory over this last year. A lot of the stuff you're buying, you're returning. Um, we're just gonna ask you not to to shop here. It all depends. I mean, when I worked assets protection for Target, like it didn't matter to us. You know what I mean? Because well, when I was working, we were looking for the real criminals. Well, right, but how many times in this in this very podcast that we do have know, we talked know, about the fact yeah, that you're right, you're right. that they are not going to sell to resellers if they know you're a reseller, they're not going to check you out. Well, if you've been flagged as a reseller by returning so much stuff, why wouldn't they say like, "Sorry, this cart full of the exact same toy that you have, like, you know what, you've yeah. been returning, returning, we're not going to sell to you." No, I agree, I agree. That's why I say it's a little more difficult but doable. Yeah. Right, I'm just being real. Okay, let's go to another one. Now, you can always flip at a swap meet or a flea market. I, f- I found that to be a little more difficult unless that's something you constantly d- do. You just have to do it once or twice. And it's pretty easy. Have you ever done that before? I haven't done it, but um, I've talked to a few people who have mentioned doing that, like with maybe bad buys or kind of, you know, dead inventory that they have. Uh, it's kind of just a way of offloading stuff. We have done a garage sale, um, which is similar. Uh, but, you know, that's something I might consider at some point is, is filling up a few totes of stuff and maybe some of my bigger stuff that hasn't gone locally yet and try it. I mean, usually, unless I'm wrong, I haven't done a swap meet in a long time. Uh, the spaces aren't too expensive, right? And so you just rent a space for the weekend and set up. The bummer is you lose out on that weekend for resa- or for or that for, day or whatever. Yeah, for- or you just sell till you sell. Th- it all depends on the price you have. You know yeah. what I mean? But you got to remember people are looking for deals. Right. One of the biggest issues I had, I used to do before. It's so crazy. I got upset when they were building the store that shall not be named in the town that I live in because I couldn't do the rummage sale anymore. But then that store that shall not be named was like the honey hole for like three years. Not anymore, but it was. Mm. But I remember like people would offer me super cheap and I used to get so bothered by that. But you got to remember, that's why I'm saying it's difficult, but it's doable if you're trying to offload now. The other alternative may be just to run your own garage sale. All right. But anytime you do anything like this where people have expectations, understand you're trying to recoup some of your money. You're probably not going to recoup all of your money. Mm-hmm. Right. So be aware that if you're trying to offload this, this inventory, to me, it's one of the best ways to do it because you're still getting cash flow. We talked about this with the Side Hustle Network, mm-hmm. right? Their warehouse sales, right? 
If you don't have a warehouse, you have a garage. If you don't have a garage, find somebody that does, and maybe you could collab and work something out together. But you know, you if you want to keep that profit and reinvest it, that's one I think it, it's you know it takes a little bit more work, but it's totally doable. Yeah, and and you know there are going to be some people who kind of get locked into this idea that like you can never lose money on a product. Like if you're losing money on a product or on any of your inventory, then then you're failing. And the reality is sometimes it's better to lose a little bit of money than to lose the entire cost mm-hmm. of product. Agreed. And it's not even always like you should have done more research. Sometimes it's that, uh, but sometimes markets change, um, different things going on in society. Uh, maybe, you know, whatever it is can change. Something's not hot anymore. Um, or the, there's a recall yeah, demand. Like there's a lot of reasons why you purchase an item and it could have been a good buy and it, it and it ends up, flopping. And the reality is every big retailer has the same thing. They put items out on their shelf. Mm -hmm. Some of them do well, some of them don't, some they lose money on. Um, Maybe not in the short run, like on each individual item, but if there's returns and if things don't work out or or there's not as much profit margin and some they make way more money on. And and the reality is every company is going to have some projects that that don't do well, but as long as you're succeeding more than you're failing, then you're running a successful business. So the best option is if you bought a bunch of stuff, for ten dollars each, and you have to sell it at a garage sale because you've been holding on to it for years. It's not, it's not moving, and you have to sell it for six dollars each. Hey, you lost four dollars per item, but you got that six dollars back. So instead of losing, you know, ten dollars an item, you only lost four dollars an item. Now you've got some some liquid capital that you can get back into your your business and be buying whatever is the new trend or whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. So Agreed. that stop loss is a great idea. Yeah, and and remember, we start off with the podcast with that's what a guy has made millions upon billions on, is helping these retail companies recoup whatever money they they lost. So, it it's not it's not uncommon right. to do that. All right, and the last one, and this one I I, I like to end on the note because there's another ROI that we don't talk about a lot, but it's the ROI of giving, mm. right? And you know, I've I've contemplated my uh. My lovely fingerlings, like people have said, hey, now I have given some of these away, by the way. And you know what? It's made the kid really happy. Mm. Right? So sometimes, I hope I put that up. I'm trying to do it while staying on the mic. Ooh, is that everything okay? Yeah, you just knocked over uh, He-Man. But okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, you know, you never know how you can make someone's day. Right. Maybe somebody needed something or, you know, for instance, if you, there was a rough time in my life where I actually, you know, I didn't know, I knew about reselling, but I didn't know about reselling. But anyways, a lot of circumstances happened and I was unable to get gifts for my kids and a local church had a program where they provided gifts to families, to, to the parents, to be able to provide to their kids. And these were made from donations from that church. I got to tell you, that was such a memorable, special, sweet moment in the life of my family, mm-hmm. right? You never know the impact you'll make, right? Or, you know, there's all kinds of different charities out there, right? Especially during the holiday season. But, you know, even in the non-holiday season, people need help. And I'm not saying, you know, you're any less of a person if you don't do this or you try to make profit on it because, hey, if you listen to the podcast enough, I try to get every single dollar out of every single item, including fingerlings that Mm -hmm. I can, right? But if the opportunity arises, maybe you could donate and have a different ROI. You can make an impact in a kid's life, 
I feel like I'm doing an infomercial right now or something, but it's true. You can make impact in a family's life that they never saw coming. And maybe you won't even know about it. Yeah. Right. But maybe one day later on, you'll hear about it or maybe you never will. But hey, ultimately, you know, it's for the better good. Yeah. I remember when I very first, I don't even know if I was full on reselling yet. Maybe I was. I don't think so. But I went to one of the thrift stores that you frequented and there were all these board games of the same edition. Like they had like a whole bookshelf full of them. And I'm like, looking at it, I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I'm trying to like, you know, like, oh, maybe I should buy these. Maybe I should get into this reselling. I think it was before I actually started reselling. And I mentioned it to you and you're like, yeah, I donated those to the store. Oh, yes. Yeah, I had extras of them and, and, and they didn't sell and it was a bad Amazon buy. And so I just donated them to the store. And so... You know, that's definitely something that, that can be do you can do. And there is the altruistic reason, like there's the 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 being a, a good person, doing something nice, you get a lot of benefit from that and you're helping other people. And then there's the other benefit of that. And we talked about it, and I always think about uh the conversation we had with Wade from Wade's Venture about when he does his storage units and I ask, like, what do you do with all the stuff that you can't get rid of? And he mentioned several places that that things can go to. And one of them that he said was, you know, donation centers and thrift stores and places like that, he can donate a lot of items to, especially if he knows specific items go to certain places. And he says the benefit of that, or one of the benefits of that, is you can develop a connection with that place. Because he says sometimes Hmm. there's things they can't take, right? Like certain places only do certain things, and it's like, oh, they get a big old donation of items. And so who are they going to call? Hey, that guy who's always bringing us stuff and we have his card and he, we know he resells and he will resell these things. So they call him up and say, hey, we got this big donation of stuff. You want to come get it? We can't sell it. We're not allowed to take it. Um, so he's he's able to build relationships. So not only is he helping people and you get the that benefit, but you're also developing relationships where you might be able to get stuff from them if they're ever like, hey, uh, we don't do whatever it is. Like we, we can't do hunting knives and we just got this big old donation of hunting knives. Um, and, you know, maybe you can sell them on eBay and sure enough, he picks them up, right? So you can make those connections with places, help them out, and you never know when they have the opportunity to help you out too. So you don't do it because you want that, but it's always nice when those things happen. Correct. Correct. And I can't tell you, one of the, I don't know, I, I keep going on about this, but giving is such an incredible thing to do. And especially when it's, not out of selfish gain. And you never know when there'll be something around the corner that's going to help you out that you didn't see coming because something you did of a, out of a benevolent nature without expecting anything in return. Very true. So definitely look out for that ROI. Maybe difficult, but definitely doable. All right. On that note, we want to make sure that you all be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Please. Please.